Good evening, race fans, and happy birthday, America. It's time for another edition of Horsepower Happenings. Let's get into it. Raise your glass. It's time for the Motor City Minute. Chicago Street Course. What'd you think? I have nothing to think. I didn't watch the damn thing. Uh, but I did see that some guy who's pretty good in a sprint car and has made his name in uh, the uh, the V8 supercar world went to victory lane. Now, I'm just going to call him SVG because I know better. Rich? Do you know how to say this gentleman's name? I didn't even see the race. I, I read it, and I thought it was a joke <laughs> in Facebook. Yeah. And they were like, first ever Cup Series start, and he wins. How about that, huh? So you have no idea. So I can't rely on you to say this guy's last name is what you're telling me. I'm not even going to attempt you're... it to make you look good. All right. I said Scott. I got that part wrong. Shane Van Gissenbergen, I think. I think. So I could be wrong. Uh, everybody can hate on me on Facebook, so there you go. Uh, also going on, how about Austin Maynard in Plymouth Speedway? You remember that name, Austin Maynard? We've seen him a couple of times with the CRA Street Stock Series and some other, uh, I believe, late model sportsmen's as well. $10,000 richer after this weekend, Rich, thanks to the Street Stock Spectacular at Plymouth Motor Speedway, so congratulations to him. Other big things going on, Ryan Gustin got his third career or third win of the World of Outlaws season at River City's Speedway. Also, Jason Fager from the tail to the win with the Dirt Car Summer Nationals Held Tour. Brad Sweet survived a late challenge at Cedar Lake to get his victory. Ricky Thornton Jr. continues to win in the late models as well. This one at Muskegon Speedway. Bobby Pierce wins with the World of Outlaws. David Gravel uh, rolls to victory lane at Cedar Lake. And how about this one? Speaking of Cedar Lake, Ashton Winger, a very popular win among the fans. He went to victory lane with the World of Outlaws at Cedar Lake as well. So a huge weekend of racing, and we're not done talking about it. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich, Rich France joins me refreshed, refueled, feeling good on a Monday evening. Good evening, sir. Yeah, I'm refreshed, all right. Yeah. I, I, was, I was worried about the eight-hour drive back just to make the show tonight. So. Yeah, fresh out of Nashville uh, where we kind of had to split the duties this weekend. I had Great Lakes Super Sprints on Friday, followed by Bertrand Speedway's uh, JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, which means I wasn't going to be able to logistically make it to Nashville without spending about $800 on a one-way flight. So we sent you down with the F-150, and you got a chance to see the North-South Super Late Model Challenge with the ASA CRA Super Series and ASA so Southern Super Series. Um, 18 cars, but a strong 18 cars showed up at Nashville. It really was. And I, you know, Zach, what I'm really liking this year is now that now, now see champion racing association, ASA, they're doing a redraw now for the top eight. And that really shakes things up. And I got to tell you, this redraw was so interesting. Jackson Boone. Yeah, I, let's let's bring I, let's bring a name back from your past. I Jackson saw Boone. Jackson's redraw too, man. That poor guy. So Jackson was fast qualifier for both the ASA CRA Super Series, ASA Southern Super Series, Super Late Models, and he was fast qualifier for the Pro Pro Late Model Premier Division at Nashville Fairground Speedway. And so I'm down on the stage and I'm doing the redraw with him. And that man couldn't draw a six or a seven if his life depended on it. He pulled eights. And uh, both, both, wait, both shows? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> he said one word to me, and I, I, I had to make sure the mic was off yeah. because I don't think it could go over. <laughs> and it was, are you something kidding me? I'll right. fill in the blank. Right. And so uh, so what what happened was uh, Stephen Nassie had a friend there, and their little girl came in and pulled the one for Stephen Nassie. So he started on the pin. 
And uh, it looked like it was going to be the, one of the easiest nights at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway for Stephen Nassie as he jumped out to a lead up to 10, 12 car length lead at one point. Um, but then, then it got late just past lap 80 and, uh, that 51 machine just started going away in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Boone finally worked by him, uh, got, got the lead and started driving away. And then with seven laps to go, Jackson Boone rolls through three and four and blows a radiator. I don't believe it. Just blows a rate. The car, he was, he had that race locked up. He was gone. And, uh, so that turned the lead over to uh, Jake Garcia. So Jake Garcia, Stephen Nassi restarting, and Jake Garcia just drove away. And uh, so cool because Jake Garcia, if, if you're paying attention to super late model racing, has not been in a super late model much this year at all yeah. with his truck series ride. Right. I heard so you guys he, talking about that. Yeah. So he, he was like, I, I just need laps because I've – you know, I'm used to driving this truck that's 700 pounds heavier and, and got, has less horsepower and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, no, Jake Garcia was really happy. I, I don't know when the last one he had. I know he's got a bunch of pro wins uh, that he's got down at uh, Mobile in South Alabama, uh, Montgomery Motor Speedway. But I think this is the first super late model win. I always talk to him. He's always on the podium. He's always good. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, but finally picking up the – victory lane jake garcia that was pretty cool absolutely it was and it, you know what i got a chance to only watch the final 12 laps you guys did a great job uh you and jonathan and, and bill uh you guys did a great job calling the show and of course john nicks down on pit road uh, a good job by you guys yeah we had fun we were trying to figure out what uh, the first thing was what are we doing with four announcers and how can <laughs> we fit this in because i i don't recall in my career um and maybe you can maybe refresh my memory zach but i don't Recall a three-man booth. It's been uh, ever, no <laughs> ever that 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 could be challenging, and yeah. we worked our way through it, right? We we seemed to work. We didn't. It just took us a little while because I had never worked with Jonathan, and, and he's a young talent. Right, Jonathan. He really is Jonathan Ramos, and um, he he's one of the house announcers there at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, and uh, so me and Bill sat in there two senior gentlemen and. Um, you know, obviously, Jonathan had a lot lot more energy than we did, but uh, it was fun. We had a good time with it, and uh, it was a great race. And just to let you know, uh, Jackson Boone did get redemption. He did come back and win the Pro Late Model event, and he, he got by Hunter Wright, who had led virtually the entire race. Wow. Well, hey, I'm glad that, because Jackson was going to run away with that race, right? Don't you think? Uh, I think. It, there was a, when when he went out when he had the radiator. There was eight laps left to go. Wow! There was nobody near him. Gosh! Um, and we just saw him. I thought he was going to wreck when that thing, he just locked it down, and there was water just all over the racetrack. And he just stopped. It came to a stop right at the start finish line. That's how fast he brought that thing to a stop. And they just rolled him back to the pits. It was just so disappointing. Yeah. We we all we thought, man, he could pull the double double fast qualifier <laughs> for both and two wins. I think that would make him feel a lot better. But uh he did get the win in the pro late model, so he was able to able to really half off his evening good. Wow. Well, hey, I started my weekend on Friday with a uh, really great uh, show with the Great Lakes Super Sprints at I-96 Speedway, returning there for the first time in just a couple of weeks, really, uh, for the Great Lakes Super Sprints back at I-96 Speedway. Now, you know how this is, Rich. Holiday weekends can be tough for 
car counts, uh, really, across the board. It's just kind of the way it is. Families, right, vacations, things of that nature. Uh, 20 cars, even, right on the nose. 20 cars, which means no B-Main, no last-chance qualifiers, none of that stuff. Everybody's in the show. You're just racing for a redraw, which makes a really fun night. Now we go out for qualifying, single-car qualifying. Racetrack is darn good. And Ryan Rule sets what we believe is going to be fast time, a 13.9. He's just a couple of hundredths of a second off the track record. Uh, track record's a 13.91. He qualified at a 13.94. Uh, so he was really close. And we say, all right, TI-22 performance qualifying is in the books. Hold on. J.J. Hickel is in the second home pro roofing car. He went out for his qualifying attempt. The car shut off coming to the white flag. We thought motor expired. He was done. Turns out the mag box just came unplugged. They were able to get it fixed and back up in the staging lane. He gets one lap on the clock, Rich. Blisters, and I mean absolutely annihilates a new track record, turning in a 13.7, almost two-tenths of a second faster than the track record. So J.J. Hickel has a new I-96 Speedway track record, a 13.7 for the new track record. Move forward. Heat races are great, right, as they always are. Feature time comes around, Rich. It's still daylight. You barely needed to turn on the track lights for the uh, first official race of summer. And uh, what a good show it was. J.J. Uh, Hickel jumped out to the early race lead, and the race was slowed quickly as Jet Man flipped off the top of turns three and four. He was okay, just kind of lost the top of the racetrack. Two laps later, Jason Blonde almost does the exact same thing. He lost the top of the racetrack in three and four, kept it on all four wheels, though, and slid backwards. But what had happened was, with the Jason Blonde caution, Phil Gressman beat J.J. Hickel back to the start-finish line. He and Hickel crossed the line before the caution came out. Great Lakes Super Sprint Series rules say leader plus one equals a completed lap. So, new race leader, Phil Gressman, at the front of the field. On the restart, Phil would take the early advantage, and J.J. Hickel settled in to just try to learn something about the racetrack that he hadn't seen since 2016 with the Lucas Oil ASCS Series. Followed Phil Gressman for about, oh, five to seven laps, and then dropped the hammer, and the home pro roofing car was absolutely G-O-N-E gone. J.J. Hickel rocketed to the front of the field and rocketed to victory lane, Rich, in uh, what was really a dominating performance. This is the same car, remember, that, uh, that Cole Macedo drove at I-96 and came up three laps short of going to victory lane. I got a question. You know, they could win about every race in that backup home pro in that 50-year shingle car because they keep bringing in these ringers. If they didn't have – I mean, Cole probably should have won that race a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really. Yeah. And, and I don't know what broke on that, if it was the motor or something else. But uh, whoever they're putting in that car, they're not from around here. Right. And and, um, and that car is performing awfully strong. So, uh Good for them. Yeah, and I got to tell you too, um, not to outlook what Ryan has done in that car, right? Ryan's had some bad luck too. A couple of top fives. Well, and you got to know, JJ Hickel broke the track record, but he was qualifying under penalty because it technically was qualifying outside of his spot. So Ryan Rule did get credit for the TI 22 Performance Fast Qualifier Award. Um, so not to be forgotten, Ryan Rule is doing really good in that car as well. Um, so J.J. Hickel gets the win, a great showing for him in the home pro roofing car. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Phil Gressman, he would hold on for the third spot, third for Gressman uh, with the, uh, the uh, car 
Hold on now. Uh, Max Stambaugh, that's right. Max Stambaugh in the second spot. He was wild, too. That first caution came out on lap five, Rich. He had gone from 11th to 4th in that time. So Stambaugh was on a roll. He just didn't have anything for J.J. Hickel. Um, and Phil Gressman third. Ridenauer, Chase Ridenauer, week three behind the Williams seal coating car, brings it home in fourth. Danny Sams, the third, who started on the pin, fell back slightly back to fifth to round out the top five. So all in all, Great show for the Great Lakes Super Sprints at I-96 Speedway, as it always is. And uh, we don't get a chance to see this driver very often, so I took the opportunity, Rich, to uh, go back pit side after everything was done to catch up with J.J. Hickel. Man, I don't know that I've ever seen a night for somebody like I've seen for you, especially having not seen this place in five, six years. J.J. Hickel, this performance that you had tonight with the home pro roofing crew new track record runner up in your heat race and really a dominating show in the feature minus about seven laps just talk about your night and this car yeah you know first time in the car uh just really comfortable right off the bat you know me and jacob seem to click it off pretty good and uh yeah just you know real comfortable real good equipment and just kind of feel like they set me up to make my job fairly easy and really Really, it was just a breeze. Like, it was just one of those nights where everything kind of shakes out. You know, we had to start fifth in our heat to get to second, to get into the redraw, and we were able to sneak into second there. And just just one of those nights, you know, like, more often than not in racing, there's something silly that bites you. So really take these nights, you know, we really, really are grateful for nights like this, and we really try to cherish them because it's not easy to win races no matter where you're at, and uh, it's tough. And, you know, beating Phil tonight, that's tough. So really proud of our team. And you talk about silly stuff that can happen. That track record didn't come without drama. Talk about where your heart and mind were coming off of turn four when that car died. Yeah, you know, I came out of four and the thing just shut off. I thought we lost the motor. I kind of thought that was the end of my little vacation here yeah. to race. And then I got to looking in the cockpit and I could see it just sucked the Zeus tab through on the mag box and flipped the switch on the thing. So came in the pits, you know, they were able to put a couple of washers in and fix it and get me back out to take a time at the end, you know, so we're able to at least start in the third row of our heat race and just, just, yeah, never gave up and just kept digging. And I felt like our car was really good in qualifying, you know, and just kind of went from there. All the things you do, you have such a busy season and, you know, you kind of jump around a little bit. Uh, this racetrack, GLSS, I-96 Speedway, Shannon with Home Pro, kind of where does this rack, uh, I guess, rank or stack up? and what you'll do this season. I know this isn't the richest race you'll run in or the most money you'll make, but as far as the fun that you had here tonight, kind of where are you at? Yep, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, I love driving these race cars. A lot of guys will tell you they're chasing money. I mean, I like to get paid to do it, but I don't, I'm not a race car driver to get rich. You know, I just, I love driving race cars. I love the opportunity to race, especially on really awesome tracks like this. So, I mean, honestly, that's the whole thing. You know, I came out here, I wanted to, wanted to learn these guys and have some fun, you know. I'm, Still gung-ho in my 97 car, finishing the All-Star Tour. You know, very grateful to the ceilings for letting me come out here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tonight was a blast. We came out to have some fun, and I think we exceeded our expectations for sure. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, uh, this was really fun to watch. The fans, I didn't realize how many of your fans travel, man. They were on their feet with you taking the track record and taking that feature win. Uh, so cool to see. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Well, it's awesome, man. Honestly, I wish I would have brought some of my merchandise and T-shirts and hats and stuff to try to sell. But, uh, you know, you never imagine it's going to go this awesome and just had enough stuff in my car with all my gear bag and my seats and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's always awesome to be loved, you know. Like, I love the fans. I, I race to put on a show. I race to win, you know, and I love people that respect that. And just I love sprint car racing, and I pretty much can relate with anybody else who's a part of it. All right, man. Well, hey, congratulations. Nice job here tonight. Hopefully we see you in the state of Michigan again soon. You put on a great show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
All right, so that was my Friday, Rich. Then change the surface and add a little bit more weather, and that was Saturday at Bertrand Speedway and Event Center for the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour, presented by All-Star Performance. Uh, the Firecracker 100, part of race number two of three for a mini-series at Bertrand Speedway. Uh, the night started with Chase Berta backing up his performance from last uh, from two months ago back in May. He set fast time over Kevin Cremonesi with a 15-8-1-8. Carson Hosevar in the field as well, qualified third. Ethan Snuchek fourth, and Brandon Varney Rounded out the top five. Uh, a couple of ringers in the field as well. Katie Hettinger qualified ninth. Jeff Versek 13th on the speed charts as well. So uh, we had some really good cars on the property, Rich. After the redraw, we found out that Chase Berta would not be taking the tail end challenge for a shot at some extra bonus money. So that is now wiped off the slate. No more bonus money on the table. It would actually be Carson Hosevar and Brandon Varney who would lead the field to green. And Hosevar would jump out to the early race lead, leading for quite some time, Rich, until things got a little interesting during the second half of the race. Yeah, I was able to catch it, uh, you know, after dinner down in Nashville, was, was able to come back and say, you know, wow, there's there's a let lobby me, Let me correct this, too, by the way. <laughs> I, I, let me correct this, too, because I said first half of the race. First three quarters of the race were led by Carson Hosevar. He yeah, led until it, lap 73. Well, when I when I, when I I sat down in the lobby and, and turned it on on my laptop and I saw who was leading, I was like, Oh, well, here we go again, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ed Bertrand, this, I've seen this story before. Right. I was there for one of them. And uh, then things changed. It looked like that 14 machine started to go away uh, after the 70 lap mark. And uh, Kyle Crump and the 71 machine started to come on. And then uh, they made a little bit of contact on a restart. Uh, I didn't know if they just got together or if Carson just said, I'm sending you to Clio via the wall, <laughs> whatever happened. But uh, I don't think Kyle liked it too much, came back after him. And uh, I think it was with 25, inside 25 laps to go, going into turn number three. Uh, they both want the same spot. Two masses cannot occupy the same area, as Chris Foby would say. That's right. And uh, they made contact, both of them spinning, handing over the lead. Uh, to Ethan Stanuchek, he would have to fight off Dan Leak on the restart. He would be able to do that and then uh, hold off a charging Katie Hettinger, to be honest. She had a really good car. The longer she ran, the faster she got. Uh, but not enough, not enough laps, not enough time. Ethan Stanuchek picks up the win for his second official Jag Sierra All-Stars Tour win. Right. The first one crossing the line first. We'll explain that in a minute. That's right. And so Stanuchek gets the win. Really cool for him. Katie Hattinger, um, I talked to her dad, Chris, uh, back in the pits, and I said, man, you got to be pretty happy. You know, by the way, loudest ovation I've ever heard at Bertrand Speedway was for Katie Hettinger in driver intros and in post-race interviews. Um, people were going nuts about her being there, so that was really cool. Um, and I talked to her dad, Chris, afterwards after the races, and I said, so, what do you think? And he goes, I think that we're doing really good, but we're about tired of running second. <laughs> they finished second in a lot of races this year, uh, including uh, down at Caraway just before they came up to Birch Run, where they finished second again. Dan Leak finished third. He was a little frustrated. He felt like he got uh, unnecessarily roughed up in that race, uh, but uh, come home third nonetheless after starting 11th. So uh, your your hard charger right there for Dan Leak. Chase Berta rebounded nicely. He actually received the Pitboxes.com award for uh, for the pit crew of the race award. They got banged up early after some contact with Brandon Varney, put them in the outside wall. Chase kind of 
sent a message, and it wasn't via the USPS uh, system. So uh, he rebounded to fourth. And Kyle Crump, even after the spin, uh, raced his way back up to fifth. Carson Hosevar in ninth, uh, if that tells you the difference in those two cars after that situation. I was going to ask you, I didn't see, and I was I listened to the Dan Leak interview after a good interview. Um, but do you know who he was upset with? Because I didn't see what happened. He was very vocal about his feelings. You could tell that with Dan. I uh, don't. He wasn't real happy. I mean, he was for a third place finish. He was not very happy. I really don't know. Um, I I I initially thought he was upset with Katie, but Katie had mentioned how good of a race that she had with Dan and how much respect she has for him uh, and things of that nature. So I was really. Uh, I, I think he may have been upset with Ethan, um, but I don't. Nothing sticks out in my mind about Ethan moving Dan or anything like that. Um, I don't know if Dan got to his outside on one of those restarts, maybe, or or you know got close enough that. Ethan was able to pinch him. I really don't know um, who Dan was upset with, but he, as you mentioned, he was verbally frustrated with one of them. And he kind of, and he looked, you know how you interview somebody and you stand in front of them? He looked around me <laughs> when he made those comments. So it was one of those two. And and that's and that's why that's why I just wanted to ask you because, you know, when I thought that the battle him and Katie had was a great battle, yeah. clean, good racing and i saw him looking up there i said there's only one more car sitting up there <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so good race good show um by the way and so we'll do it again september 9th um back at birch run speedway and event center in between there of course nashville fairground speedway the next place we go i'm excited for this one july 29th we'll head down to nashville for 100 laps with the pro late models down there always a good show always a good field of cars then August, we go to the Masters of the Pros 184 at Owasso Speedway, back to Birch Run Speedway um, for that show. Uh, actually, I may have it crossed up because we have Labor Day weekend ahead of that at Winchester Speedway. Then we go back to Birch Run, um, and then uh, I believe Winchester again and uh, Nashville to round out the se season. So No rest for the weary. It's going to be fun, man. A couple of really, <laughs> I mean, really some awesome shows coming up with the Jegs Tour, so we're looking forward to it. And Zach, on the phone lines now, we have a gentleman that uh, really, I mean, he didn't want to give up on Birch Run. He's had a good car. It seems like every time he's gone up there for the Triple Crown race, finally got one in the bag this weekend, uh, makes his home in Temperance, Michigan. Ethan Stanuchek, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thank you for having me here. Well, man, you know, we've <clears throat> we've talked many times. It's one thing or another. It's brakes. It's, it's bending something. It's getting into the wall. Have a good car. Somebody's got just a better one. Um, this weekend, it all just worked out for you. Yeah, honestly, uh, last few times we've been there, we struggled a little bit. We've always felt really good after practice. Um, we've always qualified well there. The start of the race always had bad luck. It, it's been unfortunate. Happy to finally have a little bit of luck go our way. I got to ask you, because I was down in Nashville. I was I was doing the ASA CRA Super Series race. Zach was in Birch Run. And I thought it was funny when I was when I was watching on Racing America that you didn't want any part of talking to Zach until <laughs> until when you finally met up with him. Do you think that changed your luck? I mean, I I can't argue the fact that I think it did. It like, worked. I mean, I, it uh, worked. How are you going to argue against it? <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right? Like it, it worked. Uh, last time, first race here, I I thought that. You know, we had a really good car after Friday night, and Zach talked to me, and I, I told him, I said, I think our luck's turned around. I think we got a really good car, and we ended up being, uh, honestly, we were not good in the race. Uh, we, we missed the race setup. We ended up somehow finishing fifth, got unlucky on the start with somebody missing a shift. 
um, pushing nose up a little bit. Still managed a good run, but this time I, I told Zach, I'm like, there's there's no way I'm talking to you today. I think you're bad luck. So hopefully I talk to you on the front stretch and ended up making it happen. Yeah, we, he was, i tell you what, he was getting ready to roll out for practice. I was a late arrival on Saturday, and so I, I quickly caught everybody right before practice, and um, he was strapping in, and I leaned in, and I said, hey, man, how's it going? And he goes, it's going okay. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how I feel because last time I think I overcommitted a little bit and things didn't go our way. And I said, all right, have a good practice. And I walked away. Ten minutes later, it started raining, right? I talked to every driver in the pits during the rain delay except for that cat. Uh, he was nowhere to be found. And uh, I did, too. I, I tell you what, and I really I called it out in the broadcast as you started moving through the field. I said, oh, boy, keep an eye on Ethan because here he comes. And he told me uh, that, that he wasn't going to talk to me today because his luck needed to change. And then you're caught up in a really great battle with uh, the 171 car and, and Katie Hettinger. This is a battle for third uh, on a late race restart. And then everything unfolds in front of you down the back straightaway. Are you aware of what that sets up? Did you know you had the lead at the line or had the position at the line over Katie? Um, and did you know that you would inherit the lead? I mean, all that unfolds. Where's your mindset? Uh, of course, talking about what happened between Carson and Kyle. Yeah, so I, I knew that when the caution came out, we had the lead. Um, I was super stoked about it. Like, it was I – don't even, I don't even know how to describe it, right? Like, I, she made a good run. She got to my inside. Um, we had a good car. We didn't have a great long-run car. I think she had a better long-run car for sure. So, we were on that 30-40 lap run. She got there. Uh, we, we battled her on the outside. Honestly, she would have got around me. We got a little lucky. I knew that Crump was going to get to Carson, and I had a feeling that some stuff would happen. <laughs> right, um, because on that restart, Carson, they I think what happened, and I watched the replay several times. I don't know. I've seen Carson do this before, um, but I, I, I wonder. It looked like they got together going in. You were you had a front row seat for this. looked like the two got together on that restart and, and kind of locked each other in, went way up the hill, and Carson drove away. Uh, for those who missed the race, is kind of what happened between those two, which led to what we saw on the backstretch, you think? Yeah, so they, I mean, I, I, all I saw, you know, we, we took the restart. Um, Carson had a good restart, pushed crump, crump up the track a little bit. Um, honestly, we we got to the inside. I thought we were going to take the lead there for a second. He pushed him so <laughs> high up the track. I know, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, he he pushed him up the track. I knew there was, you know, after that, there might have been a little bit of bad blood. So I had a good feeling. We kind of saved our stuff throughout the race, and especially when we were running third. Katie got to the inside. She had a good car. You know, with with Carson kind of pushing Crump up the track, there was a little, might have been a little bit of bad blood there. Um, so we kind of maintained our position. Like I said, we got, we got lucky with Katie being on the inside. We didn't. She had a better car at that point in the race. Um, caution came out exactly when we were hoping it would with uh, Crump and Carson getting together and taking the lead. And every, you know, from the restart, I kind of knew we had it locked up from there. Talk about the new choose cone. Uh, this is new this year for the Jags tour. Um, kind of madhouse is one of the ways it's referred to uh, a choose cone. We see it now choose line uh, in NASCAR where you have a decision to make inside or outside. And I think Birch run may be one of the most balanced restart tracks as far as making that decision because you can really roll some momentum for those first couple of laps on the outside um, and, and you can pinch that guy or, or that driver on the inside down and kind of kill their momentum. But after about, I don't know, seven, eight laps of doing that, the inside line starts to get better. Was there any hesitation, any discussion about where to restart? Uh, 
Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so my crew chief spotter, my uncle, uh, he, he was like, I think we should take the inside. And I was like, well, I always feel comfortable starting on the outside here. You know, like, I, I think we should start on the outside. He said, no, 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 take the inside. My dad came over the radio. He said, no, take the inside. Trust me on this one. Take it. Do it. You'll win the race. And I said, all right, we'll do whatever you guys want. I trust your judgment. Sure enough, took the inside, cleared out of two. The rest is history. You got a pretty good start on Katie, too. And and I think probably after watch from where I was, I think they probably made the right call because Katie was very strong on the inside. That 171, she she did a really good job uh, kind of rolling the center a lot better than everybody else to, to stay with them on the exit of the corner. So I think you're right. That may have been a race-winning move. Now, you didn't get away scot-free. It wasn't like you took the lead and ran away. They kept pressure on you for that last run. Um, were you managing? Were you saving? Or was that, I mean, where you guys settled in, was that pretty much the car you had? Uh, we were definitely saving throughout the whole race. That was, honestly, the first time I've ever had a good enough car to be able to save throughout the race and kind of just maintain position. Um, like I said, my spotter was phenomenal. My uncle was phenomenal on the radio. I couldn't ask for anything better. He was keeping me calm, collected, just, you know, disciplined, stay smooth, stay consistent. Don't miss feet. We're going to be there at the end. Uh, he, even at the end, he knew that Katie had a better car on the bottom on a restart. So he said, you got to take the bottom. If you take the bottom, we win the race, this race. And sure enough, we did. It's an, to Zach's point, you know, I, I was watching and it, I had probably caught about 75 laps. And at the end, the last 10 laps, I don't know that you had the best car on the racetrack, but it, it seemed to me you changed your line going in turn one because it looked like you were hurting yourself getting in, which would let Katie gain a bunch. And then you were getting that car straight from the center out and just getting a launch down the back straightaway. And I think that was key in winning that race because you were getting such a good run off of two. Yeah, so we – that's kind of how we planned it. That's how Birch Run is a little bit. To win a race, you got to be good off the corner. Um, we weren't so worried about entry. We worked on it throughout practice. We worked on being a little more secure in entry so I could drive it a little bit deeper. But we were so concerned about just getting off the corner, getting the drive. Um, Katie and, and even Dan Lake, they would, I mean, they'd kill me on entry. They would, they would gain four cars, but even, you know, off two, off four, we'd gain seven. So overall, I think we ended up making the right decision, um, on the way we approached that race. And that was the first time we really approached it that way. And it, it worked out in the end. All right. So you work at Van Dorn racing development. I need your opinion because you're the, you're the one that had the best seat in the house. You tell me what happened. What do you What do you mean by that, Rich? Uh, when with Kyle with Kyle and Carson, I know everybody has a oh, different oh, opinion. Oh. Everybody has a different opinion on what happened. Um, or, or you know, earlier when we when you guys talked about Carson pushing Kyle up, I think he was trying to take Carson, Kyle to Clio down the freeway. You know, that's a, when he ran him up, up the hill that far. But what did you see going down the backstretch and the contact that was made? Um, it's hard to say. You know, me and ba- me and Katie were battling hard. I wasn't really looking too much ahead. Uh, I I think they kind of just got together. I think Carson thought he was clear to the bottom, kind of came down. I think Crump held his ground. Like I said, just a little bit of bad blood on the restarts there with, uh, you know, Carson kind of jumped, kind of jackrabbited restarts, to be honest with you, a little bit on Kyle and me and, and everyone else behind. 
Um, I think Kyle got fed up with the way Carson drove him, especially in one and two, pushed him up the hill and, and kind of just didn't back out of it into three. And, you know, either way, it's, I think it's a racing deal and they know that. Um, and I'm I'm not too upset about it. Cause it <laughs> now I will say this: I think that, and and I'll just say this because, and I know Richie didn't ask me, but I think that if it was a big problem, we'd have seen more out of those two at the back of the pack trying to come back through. Um, they raced each other pretty cordially, you know, even after that incident, as they worked their way back through the field, um, they raced each other pretty clean. So I think if it was a big deal, um, we'd have seen more out of that situation. Well, I, th- I think Carson's car, what I was noticing at the end, Carson's car wasn't as good as yeah, Kyle it was, it was car fading was. for sure. That, uh, that no. car was fading anyway. And I think Kyle probably should have had him if they didn't wreck. I think Kyle was going to get him eventually. It may not have been that corner. But he would have been, I, I think he his car was better at that point in the race than Carson's was. Now, in the promotion, as we get back to uh, talking with Ethan Stanuchek, we said uh, that Ethan wins his first career or second career JEG CRE All-Stars to a race because it's all about perspective and it really is all about who you talk to because, Rich, you'll remember, we called a race where Ethan Stanuchek's orange number 20 was the second car across the line behind Kyle Crump at Flat Rock uh, Speedway, but the deal was it was a Super Series and Pro Late Model Combo race where both uh, series were awarded points and pay and, well, I don't know about pay, but points and, and standing separately. And Ethan, you and I talked earlier and we talked after the race about this is different because you are actually the first car across the line. Um, and Brian Campbell said the same thing when it happened at Berlin the season before. He was the second car across the line, but he was the pro late model winner, and he goes, this doesn't feel like a win. This still feels like a second. Is that kind of how Flat Rock was for you prior to this? Oh, 100%. I mean, we we went, we went back to the shop that night, and we were like, you know, we got a trophy. We, we technically won, but did, did we really? I mean, did we really win? No, at the end of the day, we didn't. Finishing second is somebody, you know, never feels good. Yeah, we won our series, but at Flat Rock, like I said in our last interview that we did, it, horsepower doesn't really matter there. Um, so, at the end of the day, we finished second. This one feels great. This one's real. This one's authentic. We are so happy and blessed to be able to win this race. Talk about the celebration that's going on now, because uh, you told us this. I'm going to throw you under the bus. Uh, you're having a good time. You're having a good time on Monday, July 3rd. You kicked off a vacation week with a win at Birch Run, right? Like you were telling me on on Saturday, you said, man, this is a great way to start what I got going on this month. You're, you're uh, having some fun this week, right? Yeah, I'm currently at a sandbar in the middle of Devil's Lake, Michigan. Uh, I No complaints. Sitting here <laughs> celebrating our win, looking at a trophy, probably uh, looking at you know uh, you know family and friends around you. Maybe there's a girlfriend nearby. You got a win. You got an umbrella drink. Life is good, huh? Oh, 100 percent. Everybody's here. We're all having a good time. Uh, like I said, just just blessed to have this opportunity to be able to race in general and uh, <laughs> to be out here on the water today. I got to ask you, uh, you know, you, you guys bought this car. Um, this was a former Mandy Chick car, I think. Is that still the same car? Correct. Yeah. So 11 starts as of Saturday with the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour. Um, last season, you ran the whole the whole season. That was when you got the, the, the one, the victory at, at Flat Rock is technically two top fives, three top tens, 
now you've got ones. You've got ones in the win column. You got twos in the five and tens column now. Um, what are the expectations now for the rest of the season? Does this kind of change how you guys do things? You mentioned that your race strategy was different than you'd done before. Um, your superstition strategy was different than it was before. How does this change your outlook now for the rest of 23? Well, I think the rest of 23, I'm not going to talk to Zach. For <laughs> any any time before the end of the race. Okay. Uh, no, no uh, honestly, nothing really changes. It's, we're going to still keep doing the same thing. I think we're right where we belong, and we've, we've known that the whole time. Um, my guys always tell me every day that we belong up front. We deserve to be up front. We work too hard, spend too much money to not run up there. Uh, my guys at the shop back at Van Doren kind of say the same thing to us. Keep us positive. Keep us motivated. And, uh, yeah, I think we're right where we belong now. Ethan, talk, I want to talk to you about um, what you're not doing with the helmet on. Um, you're really moving your career along in the racing industry. You know, Zach, I got to hang out with Ethan at Snowball Derby when he was help, helping Michael Simca. Tell me, kind of, kind of let the fans know what you're doing because um, you're kind of like – you kind of show up at, at some events and you're kind of like a crew chief for hire, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So now I I'm, I've been traveling around the country a little bit, crew chief for different people, um, some local stuff, some stuff, you know, out West and stuff down South. Um, the guys at Van Dorn have hooked me up. I've been working there for a little over a year now doing stuff on their setup plate, assembling cars. Can't think of, thank them enough for all the opportunity they give me. Uh, and we, I don't, I, we just, uh, I, I keep traveling around the country doing my thing here. It's fun. It's, it's honestly a blessing. So what do you guys got? The, not the next week, because we're lucky we got a hold of you today. Um, <laughs> what is, what is next up on the schedule for your race team? Owasso, the, the big one. Oh, at Owasso, the Masters. The pros. Yeah. Yep. That's our, that's our next race for Ethan's the new check racing. And I'm really looking forward to it. Might have some opportunity here in the next couple of weeks with some other teams, and we'll kind of we'll post about it here in the next few days if that's if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, Ethan. Real quick, I need to clarify something. So Zach and I will both be at Master of the Pros at Owasso. Um, when you say you're cutting Zach off, does that mean me too? Or will you speak no, to not me? No, not you, Rich. I think it's just Zach. I think Zach's the bad luck. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll walk by. I'll Every just... time I talk to. I'm just going to walk by and wave, and then I'll let Rich gather the, the, the pre-race notes. <laughs> well, I don't know if we need to change it. I think you need to try to come talk to me, and then okay. I need to, like, turn you away <laughs> and <then> tell you. <laughs> well, and it's funny, too. We, we laugh about that, but I don't think uh, – I mean, fans may not know. Do you have other superstitions? I mean, racing, there are a lot of superstitions in racing, right? The number 13, the color green, peanuts in the pits. Do you have any other – I mean, any superstitions that you've developed over your career? Honestly, not not one that I can really think of. Uh, Wearing like the same the underwear head, every everybody... week or something? <laughs> no, nothing like that. I, mean, I even wash my suit after every race, after every win. Okay. Like, the only thing we do is me and my dad always put our uh, our wristbands from that night on the trophy if we win. Oh, cool. We've done that ever since win number one. Uh, but other than that, like, not much. Just, just kind of going to the next week thinking the same thing. I noticed one thing, Zach, that he didn't do, which is actually pretty cool. At Birch Run this weekend, that fish fist didn't come outside the window until he hit that line. <laughs> That's right. 
I want to ask you, Ethan, you mentioned, uh, or, and Rich brought up too, the, the work that you're doing for other teams, um, you know, whether it be Spotterville or, or whatever else that you're doing. How do you balance that? And how does that, well, I guess, how do you balance it against your own schedule? And then how does helping other teams benefit your uh, product that you put on the racetrack? So the guys at Van Dorn do a great job. If They know that if I want to run a race at, at some point in the year, they usually give me the time off and the opportunity to go do so um, and helping other teams. Like it, it only benefits me to a point, you know, like I make changes on a car and kind of see exactly what it does, get a visual on what the car should look like um, and try to teach my guys the same thing on what, what they need to look for and what we need to be and where we need to be on the racetrack. They're almost like uh, calculated uh, test sessions that you can go back and, and apply on, on your stuff. Is that right? They can be to a point, yeah, for sure. Uh, the only the only thing is, you know, if, if the driver can do it or not. <laughs> and I and that goes both Friday, ways, right? Like the technology may work for you, and it may not work for, let's yeah. say, a Kyle Crump or vice versa. Kyle may be able to take something that you did and, and, you know, smoke the field with it, and you could look silly out there running the same thing. Oh, 100%. Every driver is different, and I think a lot, a lot of people know that. Every driver is different. Um like I said, we applied some of the stuff, honestly, Friday and Saturday at Birch Run that I've learned over the past and stuff that I've talked to my bosses about, even just trying at Birch Run to see if it would work. Some of it didn't, and some of it did. So uh, overall, I think we, we hit it right on the head of where we needed to be and it worked out in the end. Ethan, we talked last time when you – we're going to call it a win because it went in the books as a win at, um, after Flat Rock. You were required to bring donuts in for the shop. This is a real win. Is this like – a full spread catered breakfast this time? This is lunch. This time's lunch. Oh. I told them I told them last week they said, Hey Ethan, if you win next week, will you buy us lunch? I said, Of course. I'll buy you lunch if we win at Birch Run this weekend. So where are we going for no lunch? Where, where and when are we going for lunch? So there's a local restaurant called Turks uh up the road and and the guys will get treated to that a little bit. Nice. Sometime in the next week. Nice. Good stuff. I gotta ask you this too. This is fun, you know, uh because of the the first or the second, either way, it's it's uh, it's an outstanding win for you on Saturday. Have you had a chance to go through all of your text messages and your social media? Have you had a chance to get caught up on that? So after the race, we were sitting there and going through tech, and I'm like, "Man, where's my phone? Anybody see my phone?" <laughs> Finally, somebody found it, and I looked at it, and it had about 50 messages on it. And I was like, "Oh, let's set that right back down. <laughs> <laughs> let's get through tech. Let's get through tech." And let's let's go through the messages later. I've been pretty good about it, I think. Is there, uh, is, I can't thank everyone enough for all the love that yeah. I've gotten in the past, you know, forty eight hours just just from all the the congratulations and, you know, well deserved and and stuff like that. Everyone's awesome. I truly blessed. Was there anybody that reached out to you that maybe you were surprised to hear from or, or that you know, I know that they're all special when people take the time to reach out and congratulate you, but was there a name that came across that you were like, Oh wow, they didn't didn't expect that? Not really. I, everyone okay. was kind of just, it just everyone was kind of who they were and, and congratulated us. Uh, a few names didn't pop up that I thought would, but uh oh, uh oh. End of the day, not a big deal. Uh, we know where we were and just happy to be there. Now, I, Zach, go I got to tell you though, I thought when I when I texted Ethan, I thought I had about a fifty percent or less chance of getting a response. 
just because I knew everybody in the English speaking world would be texting him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man, he took time and texted me back. And I appreciate that because Ethan knows it too. If I was there, man, we wouldn't have texted. I'd have gave him, the, I'd have gave the kid a big old hug. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. I got to ask you this. Um, do you, are you doing any points racing right now? I mean, seventh in the Jags points overall now, and uh, you're tied with Kyle in second spot for the driver standings for the uh, mini series at Bertrand Speedway. Are you paying attention to that? Concerned about it at all? So CRA points, we're not focused on at all. Our budget this year is, is unfortunately a little bit smaller even than last year. Uh, just based off stuff, we, I mean, we tore the car apart in the off season. We took it down bare frame, repainted it, went through every nut and bolt, made sure it was right just to, just so we could get, you know, what we did last Saturday, basically, just yeah. so we could get a win this year. And it kind of proves for ourselves we deserve to be there. Uh, no, we're not running for CRA points. We are for sure running in the Birch Run points now that the Triple Crown Series, <laughs> now that we're tied for second. We'll kind of see where we end up after the uh, third round. Tied for second, by the way, with Kyle and just 17 points back of Chase, uh, who, who didn't have a bad day Saturday, but it definitely wasn't the day he was looking for. Um, so you mentioned Masters of the Pros 184. I want to ask you about that, too, because Owasso Speedway didn't exactly treat you the way you wanted to be treated, but that car looked good under the green flag. You were one of the guys who was able to try to kind of make some moves at Owasso. What did you learn uh, in our first visit, and, and what is the extra 84 laps going to mean here next month uh, in what you were able to learn and, and what you're going to need to do different? So... First thing we learned was we needed new brakes in the car. New brakes. Uh, so, <laughs> so we put all new brakes on. We put we ended up putting PFCs on before the Birch Run race. World of difference for us. Uh, my dad, my uncle decided. You know, it's it's time we made the upgrade. I think we did. We deserve something a little bit better than what we had. Uh, so we did that. So we'll be we'll be clear on that point. And that's exactly what happened last time we were there. The brake calipers locked up on the right front. Oh man. And ended our night. Unfortunately, we ended. We had a really good car. I think. I think we definitely had a top five, maybe even a top three car there. I'm hoping for Master of the Pros. We can kind of show up there with a little bit better of a baseline based off our our previous notes, and I think we will. And uh, build off our momentum from Bertrand. What about that extra 84 laps? I mean, 100 around that place was intense with, with how hard it is to pass. What is the extra 84? I mean, what does that change for your thought process as opposed to what we did the first time we were there? The, the track's so new, I really don't know yet. It's the first the first race, 100 laps, like you didn't get much tire wear. The track's too new. It doesn't, it's not very abrasive. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping it's the same deal for the 184. We should get a couple extra tires for that one. So I'm, I'm curious to see if it'll if it'll almost help you or hurt you at the end of the day taking new tires compared to old tires if, if you need the grip around, around lap 100, 120 or not. Ethan, before we let you out of here, I got to be careful with this question because we anybody who wins a race, uh, we let them thank everybody that they know. And and I can't do that for you or we'll be here another hour because I, <laughs> I saw I saw your gang down there, down there on the main straightaway. But, but talk about the people that make this possible for you along with the names on that race car. So the first person I got to thank is my dad. He got a little upset with me at Birch Run. I didn't thank him directly after the win because I couldn't really think straight. Uh, so I, I got to thank my dad. I mean, he without him, none of this would ever be possible. He's the only reason that I even got into racing in the first place. My dad, my uncle, uh, 
uh, Spotter, he, he's just great. I can't thank them them two guys enough. My entire family, my sponsors, Eminem Controls, Hypersil, Precision Epoxy, One Stop Speed Shop, JMS Transport, Van Dorn Race Development, Photos by Cuyo. Those guys just seriously without them like we we would not be here i would not be celebrating this win right now all right man well hey uh appreciate you taking time to i'm not even going to pretend he set down the umbrella drink thank you for making time to uh include the <laughs> phone in in the uh the sandbar there um thanks, and, thanks for inviting horsepower yeah happening. no we kidding we could have done the show from devil's lake i'm sure <laughs> of it <laughs> <laughs> but man, uh, hey, congratulations! It was—I know Rich, as he mentioned, uh, wish he could have been there. It was an honor to get a chance to call your win on Saturday at Birch Run. It was a fantastic race. Uh, you and Katie put on a great show. You and Dan put on a great show on that restart as well. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to you seeing uh, seeing you get a couple more this season. I think you got it in you. I'm really hoping so. I can't thank you guys enough for having me. Uh, just like I, hopefully we talk again here in the future all right man thank you so much man take care have a safe holiday weekend enjoy your vacation thank you guys very much you too do you have an umbrella drink i feel like uh if you don't have an umbrella drink right now you're kind of uh you're you're in a minority <laughs> after that interview he, he could have texted us we could i have know done a live interview we could have made it up to that up to that beach don't you think yes yeah uh-huh so now i'm sitting here Sitting with you with a glass of water. Yep, that'll work. That's fine. Hey, coming up this month, it's already here. Wednesday, July is the time. It'll be Wednesday, July 26th. It is the Bob Finley Memorial at Corrigan Oil Speedway and Event Center. Wednesday night primetime show featuring the Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Models and the uh, Modifieds will be in action as well. It's a Wednesday night show. It is going to be so much fun. There's going to be so many people racing. Over almost $7,000 to win, Rich. And, I mean, thousands of dollars this purse is worth as well, plus lap money, which isn't accounted in that for the Reveal the Hammer. Uh, of course, our, our friends Jeff and Chad Finley doing this show. Great show to, to honor uh, Jeff's dad, Bob, in, in such a great way with this outlaw show. Yeah, it'll be pretty cool. So, uh, horsepower happy. So we're gonna we're gonna make a point, Zach and I, to be on site on property. That's right. And and we're gonna try and cover it the best we can. Uh, live updates, maybe a race day preview, stuff like that, uh, and get some interviews from the event itself. So, uh, really looking forward to that uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, I do want to say, um, don't miss it. Right. I mean, we're gonna Facebook, Twitter, Instagram it up as much as we can, but. If you can call in sick, maybe get it, get out of work early, go in late Thursday, do it. Because this has the potential, Corrigan Oil Speedway, um, this has the potential to be a really, probably one of the best outlaw shows you see this year. Yeah, I think you're going to get a really, really good turnout. I'm really excited for it. Uh, and, of course, that message brought to you by Northside Towing of St. John's by way of CNT Services, our studio sponsor for this part of the year on Horsepower Happenings. Now, if you're at this part of the show, you're saying, wait a minute. Y'all didn't say a darn thing today about Max Stambaugh or Phil Gressman. Thought they were going to be on the show today. Well, the time is currently just before 9 o'clock as we record this show, which means they are probably lining up for the A-Main event at Waynesfield Raceway Park for the Great Lakes Super Sprints NRA Combo event, something that nobody in the HPH organization brought to anybody's attention until Friday. <laughs> Both of our potential guests were going to be at a racetrack on Monday, so... Uh, we're going to get with them next week. Uh, Max Stambaugh won the Home Pro Hammer of the Month for June after a fan vote. It was a tight fan vote, by the way. He and Phil Gressman neck and neck the entire week, and rightfully so because those two have been on track right by each other all season as well. Well, I was I was 
I am off work tomorrow, so I got I stayed back. But when I came on my way back from Nashville today, you have no idea how hard it was not to make the right hand turn to Waynesfield <laughs> <laughs> and, and pop in over there and yeah. check out on our check out our boys and see what's going on. Yeah, they but are. I, I don't know, but they were getting we we ran into a lot of intermittent heavy rain. Did you? So I don't know. I don't know what the status was down there, but we coming up seventy five. We um we had a lot of lot of rain. A lot of rain showers, so uh, I'm. It didn't look like it was anything that they, they could. It looked like more of an irritant that they'd have to fight through tonight, maybe. But I don't think it was enough to to cancel the show. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I I, I believe they're uh, rolling as best as they can be right now. So uh, that's the good news. So we'll have Max Stambaugh will be one of our featured guests next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. Uh, coming up, let's uh, take a look at this. Power rankings this week. We'll have uh, some good updates for that power rankings list. Friday night at uh, I-96 Speedway will be the shakedown. And, of course, Saturday night at Butler Motor Speedway for the uh, regular 410 division. So that will shake things up in the wing sprint car category. But, Rich, Outlaw Super Late Models, anything going on this past week here in the state of Michigan? Nothing nothing here this weekend. Uh, Flat Rock was closed. They, they decided to take the weekend off and let everybody have a nice weekend. I appreciate that because I thought I was going to have a weekend off. We see how that worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, we're going to get back into action this week. The Outlaws, I believe, uh, Kalamazoo Speedway for the Kalamazoo Clash next weekend. And uh, Outlaws are off at Flat Rock this week. At Flat Rock, there's triple 50s plus fireworks. Um, They're going to have the the late model sportsman from the Toledo Speedway running there, street stocks, figure eights, and the vintage VROA vintage cars are going to be at the Flat Rock Speedway uh, on Saturday night. So race time 7 p.m. at Flat Rock. I've, I don't know that I've ever seen those vintage cars, Zach. So I'm really looking forward to see those guys. That should be a good one. I, I don't know that I've ever seen them either, but they do put on a good show. Uh, so looking forward to that too. Absolutely. Now, Rich, time to move into our second interview tonight, and it's our pleasure to bring him on a first-time guest for the Horsepower Happenings podcast after like six seasons, five seasons. I uh, can't believe that we still are running into these first-timers, but it's happening, and he's no first-timer at the racetrack. This Hastings, Michigan driver is a veteran, and he picked up the win a couple of weeks ago, followed it up with a runner-up finish on Saturday at Berlin Raceway. Hastings' Joe Bush, welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, let's talk right about it, man. A couple of weeks ago, um, and I'm going to call this a sweet redemption win, and, and, you know, I think that the fans who follow along know why, um, but it had been a long time coming for you here in, in kind of recent memory to get that 101 car in victory lane at Berlin. Um, such a stacked field there on a weekly basis, such a tough racetrack to get around on a weekly basis. Um, let's go back a couple of weeks, Joe. Talk to me about that run. Talk to me about that win and how good it felt to get that monkey off your back. Yeah, uh, we can back up a little bit. The year before, we didn't we didn't get a win. We had a lot of seconds. Um, but I've had a lot of feature wins there. I don't know, like thirty eight or forty or something like For that. Sure. But last year was kind of kind of a dry one. We were we were right there all the time, but just couldn't get that win, and so. We, uh, I think we're making up for it this year, and things are you know, we're on a we're on a roll, as we should say, and uh, things are are looking up right at this right at the moment. You never know; you got to take it while you can get it, because next thing you know, you're back fighting, trying to get back to the front again. But right now, the, the car just seems to be really good. I got a got a great group behind me to make this car what it is. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mention names because I always forget somebody's, but they know who they are. I got a really good group and, um, and it's just, 
we all work together to make this car what it is. Now, according to what I can find here, uh, going back to to, uh, June 24th, it looks like the day didn't necessarily start uh, in dominating fashion. A 12th place qualifying effort is what I have here um, from from the uh, results page. Talk about that and and the changes you had to make to uh, find that that competitive side of the 101 by the time the 75 lapper came around. Yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of going through a spell right now. I've never had it, had it quite like what it is right now, but the car for uh, a couple weeks in a row now, I go out and qualify, and I thought, man, that's, that's, you know, that lap was a good lap. And I come in, and it's and it's not. And I'm like, what is going on? And the last couple of races, we just not qualifying good at all. The car feels really good. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And uh, But, man, when it, when it comes race time, um, takes a few laps, 10, 15, 20 laps. And then pretty soon it just comes to life and, and it just work, got to work our way to the front. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. We're all, all my technicians and stuff here. We're just like scratching our heads. Like, what do we got it? We got to do something here. <laughs> so we're at the, we're, we're trying to figure that out. As a matter of fact, we had some conversation about it again today on what do we got to do, and we got some pretty good ideas what we need to do for qualifying. And uh, and funny thing is, we don't buy practice tires much like everybody else does. And uh, we had a guy make a bet with one of my crew members that if Joe Bush starts last and he gets up to third or better, we're giving him the money to buy a set of practice tires. And that guy did that. He followed through. So we have money in our pocket. When we go back next week, we're going to buy some practice tires, and hopefully we can get this qualifying figured out with some good practice tires. Joe, we've had a handful of your of the guys that you race against on a weekly basis on the program, and, and I always like to get their opinion on Berlin because they run a non-traditional program compared to most pavement tracks. Uh, you guys don't run heat races. Uh, t- talk to me about your opinion on that and – if you ran heat races, would that help? Do you think that would help you and give you a better shot towards feature time? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, matter of fact, I like what they got going on. We come there and we run a 75 lap feature and, and, um, the longer, the longer races like that are better for us. We've in the past have had double features like, um, twin 35s. And that's a little bit harder for us. Cause let's say we always get a roll going on, we run the crate motor. There's only a few of us that have crate motors out there. So um, I think that's a little bit of advantage, probably a little bit of disadvantage qualifying, and it's an advantage racing. But that's not all of it, what we got going on. But no, I, I, I like the 75 lappers. It's a good program, and they pay pretty good for it too. So I think it's like 4000 to win, and uh, second last weekend was uh, uh, 1800s per second. So it's a good paying deal, 75 laps one race and yeah we like that we like that a lot joe anybody on the pavement side knows joe bush right if unless you're living under a rock everybody knows who you are um talk to we have a lot of fans on the dirt side so kind of give our other fans that maybe haven't kept on your career where you started from and how you progressed to where you are right now at berlin um well i pretty much started at the bottom many years ago in the street stock class and then uh just kept moving up from there and run the, uh, the, called the outlaw late models. Now we, we ran them for many years, a main event series. And then, uh, did end up running some, uh, 
back then they were back then they were when they were called they're called craftsman trucks now and back then they were called craftsman trucks ran trucks for a little while and then uh drove a bush car for half a summer and uh just kind of come back here and race in berlin pretty much right now it's we'd like to travel i'd like to go around and hit some races maybe some cra jegs races with the crate motors but um, it was just kind of expensive to go anywhere else to do anything more but um so yeah, we like to travel. We, we might look at something, doing something like that a little bit, maybe next year. We'll see how things go. Maybe you'll see us at some of the Jags races for next year with the Crate Motor stuff. You mentioned too uh, that you know you 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 had good success at Berlin. Um, I want to come back to that. You know, four wins in seventeen, a win in twenty one. Last year was kind of the dry spell um, that you had there, and of course, you've done some really good things in in the point standings as well. But you mentioned those uh, those races that you did. You know, Craftsman Truck, Xfinity Series, or Bush Series back then in all one. Um, some Artco Challenge Series stuff. Even some ASA stuff as well, which, you know, now that, that ASA name kind of coming back, a lot of people are digging through those old files and going, oh, man, this person ran ASA and this person had an ASA start. Um, kind of sounded like you were on track there to, to you know, maybe race at a little bit higher level, um, you know, at, at some point in your career more regularly. Um, how did that come about for you and uh, kind of what, what brought you back to the more local scene? Well, I was, I was like any you know, young driver, just trying to move up any way I could and anyhow. So, um, never did get a full ASA ride. I just had some ASA, did some ASA races, um, back then the, uh, car owner promoter was Bud Gibbon. Um, and, and, and wouldn't it be um, surprising too, to find out that his, his ASA top 10 came at Berlin in uh, 1996, by the way, for those, for those history geeks. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I got a story that I tell. Um, I drove with Bud Gibbon. And I drove for him. He, um, Dave Sensiba, drove for him a lot. But then, uh, as Bud was doing quite well with his ASA cars and different drivers, um, first time I ever laid eyes on Jimmy Johnson, I was working on the ASA car in the shop, and Bud Gibbon comes comes along, and before Jimmy ever even drove a stock car, and said, Joe Bush. It, this is Jimmy Johnson. He's going to be driving this car next week. So uh, I always tell everybody that story. I think it's pretty cool to see where, <laughs> what Jimmy has done in his career now. Did so. you have any idea that you were shaking hands with a, a future seven-time Cup Series champion? <laughs> nope. I had no idea. All I knew he was from <laughs> California, and he raced some sort of truck thing or something. I didn't even know for sure. Right, but, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so ASA, trucks, and, and you know, the, the Bush Series starts as well. Um you mentioned you're just like you were just like any other young, you know, race car driver. You wanted to go to the big time. Was it just like a lot of other dreams where you know money kind of got in the way of of what you know you're capable of doing? Yeah, pretty much lack of money. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I did the Bush thing, I actually left my wife and two girls and went hopped in the motorhome and went down for half a summer and, and lived on the the NASCAR. What is that? Some mile something the circle down there where all the oh, right. teams are i was living right there and uh drove for two different guys down there for a little while and yeah i didn't have much i didn't have any money pretty much just went down there and tried to make something happen and um really didn't so come back and raced around here a bunch and ran the main event races racing all over a lot 
in a lot of big races here and there and everywhere. The Iceman series, long time ago, if you remember hearing about that or not. Um, sure. But now, now that I'm just older, I'm just uh, having fun racing Berlin, and 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 then we got our daughter Lauren. If you heard of Lauren, Lauren Bush Sokolowski, she's uh she's been racing for like the last ten years now in the in the super late model class. She decided to take this summer off, but um she'll be you'll be seeing her back maybe next year or so. And, if we can get her going joe and i was going to ask you about that you know we hear a lot of about you know second generation third generation drivers but and usually when that happens it's it's after the first generation has retired how cool is that um that you get to race against your daughter which is also rare because i don't think we have enough of enough females in our sport anyway but that's still got to be fun for you yeah it's pretty uh, that's really special us racing each other we talked about Lauren maybe racing a limited late model, and I'd run a super late model, but she said, no, Dad, I want to race with you. So <laughs> we, um, last few years, up until this year, we raced each other about every week. And, yeah, she does really good. She about um, beat me one night trying to beat my, beat on, she was beating on my bumper trying to pass me <laughs> <laughs> a few laps ago. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Striegel, he was my uh, spotter. And he wasn't telling me who it was until the race was over. He said, by the way, that was your daughter beating on your bumper. That's <laughs> he didn't dare fun. tell me straight I'd let her go by. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> so, let me ask, let me ask you, what happens one day um, when Lauren beats you to the checkers? It, it, you are going to be probably, if I know you, it's, you're probably going to be just so elated. It'll be like a win for you, wouldn't it? Oh, that, it would be more than a win for me. Yeah, to see to see her win, that would be really really awesome you know but she's still is she yeah. spotting for you now this year yes she is she's she's an excellent spotter she's doing really well i, I love having her in my ear that's probably probably why uh, why we're doing so good this year because <laughs> she's just and she's she's on the spot and just she knows what she knows what it's like to be in there so she knows what to say and how to say it and yeah, it's awesome. Have you guys had, you know, my daughter's only three, so I haven't experienced this yet, but have there been any moments of like a maybe a communication breakdown where uh, you guys have to work through a situation that um, would maybe be a little little intense? Has there been a moment where you guys have had to, you maybe you forget your father and daughter or maybe that father and daughter relationship has, has made things a little bit more interesting than maybe a typical spotter driver relationship would be? No, not no, not at all. That's great. No, That's we, great. Um, we, we we get along really well, and yeah, we, we don't ever have that at all. Sometimes getting well, along really well works works until the headset and helmet get put on. <laughs> well, and even too with Lauren being a driver, you know, obviously she learned yeah. everything she knows from you, and and then learned from other people along the way. Uh, but you know, the difference in, in opinion could sometimes get in the way too. So that's great that you guys don't have that. Yeah, I, I can say we, I mean, we've raced each other side by side and we've never like, why did you hit me or something? We never even, <laughs> I don't think we've ever even touched each other other than a little bit, you know, on the front and rear bumpers, but, but no, we, she does an excellent job. It can, she's one of the drivers you can totally trust. You can go right door to door with her and, and, um, there's, you know, not, not all drivers you can say that about, but she's one of them that's really rock solid. All right, Joe, we got to check your honesty. Do you move her to win a race? <laughs> 
Ooh. <laughs> uh, no, I won't. Oh, Matter nice. of fact, I might, I'm, I might do a little blocking so she could win a race. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad I'd like to see her win a race. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Well, um, you know, your, I believe that is, is Lorraine your wife? Is that, uh, is that your wife? Yes. So. Yep. Yep. We reached out to her today to get your contact info to have you on the show, and uh, she gave us a couple of little nuggets that maybe we should talk to you about. And I think this is really cool. Um, and uh -oh. I, I would love. Well, no, I would love to be able to do this. Uh, she tells us that the Bush family reunion. You guys actually held that right there at the racetrack. Is that right? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, I had a bunch of relatives that don't usually come to the races very often, and they were all there. Yep, and. Uh, uh, I'll have to say about Lorraine made a bunch of faces on a paddle stick. Yeah, kind me. of the for those who know, kind of the fat head, yeah. right? The big blown up <laughs> pictures. Yeah. yeah, total surprise to me. <laughs> yeah, these are cool. She yeah. sent us a picture of this. There's an entire, and I have to say, the people in front of your family section look just absolutely thrilled at the time that the Bush <laughs> family is having behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, but that had to have been cool. Could you see them from the track? Could you see them? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. How cool was it though to have? I mean, yeah. we we all know this, right? Because there's only a select few of us most of the time out of out, out of a huge family that get involved in this sport like we are. How cool was it to have nieces, nephews, cousins in attendance at the racetrack, and you know? You know, Joe, how does this work? And Joe, why is this happening? And man, this was so fun. We never do this. This was great. What was that like to have the extended family there? Um, it was awesome. Honestly, it was a little bit stressful. We we did have a little bit of a motor issue that we found Friday night. And I'm oh, like, man. oh, no. But we uh, fixed it. And uh, so I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to go to the racetrack, going to blow up a motor in practice. <laughs> All our relatives are going to be there. <laughs> this is going through my mind. I'm going to have to put it in the trailer and I ain't going to be able to see me race. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It worked out. It, it ran good and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> lots of fun. Lots of fun at the races with, with this group. <laughs> well, I, I got to talk about, I, I want to ask you how you handle those situations. And, you know, we talked at the top that, that you know, things happen in this sport and, and it happens to the best people, um, you know. And so something happened several weeks ago. Uh, things did not go your way uh, at the racetrack after it all was said and done. And those nights, I think, sometimes are probably the hardest. Uh, Joe, your your time in this sport is, is I mean, we're, we talked over three decades, pushing four decades that you've been doing this. Um, and to have that situation happen, how do you load the car back up the next week and go back to the racetrack? And if I remember correctly, it was only a couple of weeks after that incident that you went back to victory lane with that one-on-one car. How do you overcome those circumstances, those, those gut blows and, and just get back to it and keep doing your thing? Yeah, that, that, that was pretty tough. Um, you know, we felt like we were being picked on pretty much only, only wanting to tear my car apart. And I said, no. And they, uh, and they said, well, you're interfering with tech and you're disqualified. And But they wanted to just only do my car. So you want to do that same thing to the other cars? Have at it. And um, so we, they disqualified us and we um, we had to make a decision. We got home. We, we don't go back there and race anymore. We can go somewhere else or we can go back and, and win a race 
and prove to them that, look, this is not right. So that's right. what we did. We decided to go back and we went back and it was important that we won and we did win. So, and yeah, I was going to say, you back, came back, back again. you came back like a bat so, out of hell too, right? I mean, 12th the next week, yeah. fourth, ninth, first, and now second after last week. Um, yeah. I think it's such a great statement too, because when that happens, um, you know, people, the rumor mill flies and things get said and people just, oh, yeah. people just get ridiculous, Joe, and we're not here to do that. Yeah. But these yeah. last two weeks have kind of been that, you know what, you guys, this one one car belongs up front and we're doing it right. And we are supposed to be here and, you know, at, <laughs> for you, right, over 60 years old, this is really cool. We don't see a lot of guys in your situation still being able to compete the way that you are. So these last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, in my opinion, have just really been statement weeks for you, almost like it kind of relit the pilot light for you to really go out there and get them. Yeah, you, you, you said it exactly right. Yep, that's, you know, that's what, like I said, we, we, we made a decision. I talked to all the crew members, and they're all saying, I don't think anybody said, nah, let's not, well, maybe one guy said, nah, we're not going there no more. <laughs> but pretty much all my other guys says, no, nope, let's just go back. Let's beat them up and let's just do it. And that's exactly what we did. So, <laughs> Joe, I'm not, try- I'm not trying to push you out the door, but how long do you want to do this? I mean, you've been doing it a long time. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have, do you have a number set on like, okay, 65, 70, uh, until I don't want to do it anymore. Well, what are you looking at? Well, you know, my wife asked, Lorraine asked me the same thing. And I say, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I said, right now we have good sponsors. We have great team members and things are going good. Why would I want to not do it? Absolutely. <laughs> so that's how I look at it. When things change and you know, maybe then maybe not, but right now. And, and, you know, and, and as long as you, as long as you can give the, those young teenagers and young guys in their twenties, everything they can handle every single week, that probably makes you feel a little better as well, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then we're, we got to work. We're going to work at getting Lauren back in there too. So maybe, maybe we'll do something where she drives some races and I'll drive some races. But well, um, we'll we'll see how that goes. It's really it's really quite hard to do two cars at the same time at the same track. This takes so much work and competition, but. Um, or focusing, I should say. So I don't we'll, want, we'll see what happens. I don't want you to give away any secrets, Joe, but you look at these results, you and Evan Shotko were really the only guys who moved through the field. We we've documented Evan's success at Berlin recently, uh, over the last couple of years. I mean, the, the banner season that he had last year, right. Uh, that kind of revolved around that place. Um, you advanced 11 positions during the feature last week, which means you basically drove through the entire field of cars that was there. Um, what, and again, I'm not asking you to give away speed secrets, but Rich likes to tell people, it's just you and I talking the, uh, 600 people who listen to our show regularly, aren't going to listen to this one who, I mean, how do you get around that place? So well, nobody else is passing cars last week and you and Evan were on the move, man. What was going, I mean, what, what did you find or what do you know about that place or what, what is it about Berlin that just is, uh, resonates with you as a driver that allows you to be able to do that? Well, I think this year they've, they've put us on a softer tire than what we've been on for a few years. We've been on this tire in the past, but um, I believe a lot of it's tire conservation, basically. So you got to have some something at the end when you're done. 
And, and so you mentioned too pretty, being on that that crate engine, and I was so surprised yeah. at the guys that told me they're running crate cars this year. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how many are out there. I don't think there's too many, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure how many have them. But yeah, it helps. They just help. You know, you don't burn your tires up as easily without the horsepower to do that. So, yeah, and I'd be speaking know, out of turn that's, if that's I tried. If I tried to list them off, I'd be speaking out of turn. But I, I'm 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 about seventy five percent that I thought Evan told me he was running one. I'm, I'm very confident. Brian told me he was running one. You've told me you're running one. When Crump was running there, he was running one. Um, even, oh, really? even yeah. at, even at the, uh, the money in the bank against, uh, those super late model guys that came from out of town. I mean, Kyle said that's why he lost that race, uh, to, to Eric Jones was because Jones was able to beat him on the drag race on the restart with the super engine. So, um, Oh. I was just so surprised at that for that super late model class. How many guys are starting to look toward that crate late model um, engine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that could be. I'm not real sure how many do and don't. Um, they're my competitors, so I don't really know. I, I kind of fig- I knew Evan was, and I know Scott Thomas has one, and but I don't know who all has them. But yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like they're catching on a little more and more. So, Joe, when you use that crate motor, I gotta believe it just from my experience that that can be a handling tool too, where it, you know, it can help you get off the corner better. If you have a little bit less horsepower where you're not, you know, just burning up that right rear. And of course you're not going to have anything left after 75 laps. If you have to do that, is that kind of your, your view on it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You just, you just saving that right rear tire. You're not, you're straight away your corner entry is a little bit slower so you're not just working them as hard and with us it's really not a a, a choice if we had to buy the, the 30 forty thousand dollar big motors we wouldn't be racing so because of the crate motors that's why we're racing so and that um, is that, that, that is the here. other thing that has been echoed uh so much I, I i'm telling you what we look at srl obviously i have an association with the asa cra super series we just watched what was going on with the ASA Southern Super Series, Rich. We talked about that earlier in the show. And then you look at the Pro Late Models, you know, the Cars Pro Late Model Tour, the Jeg CRA All-Stars Tour. Um, the cost of these crate engines versus trying to put put together a big old honking Super Late Model engine. Um, are we starting to see a little, a little shift in the industry right now, Joe, where maybe guys are going to start putting together more pro cars than we're going to see supercars put together and probably the super late model shows are going to start to get a little more spaced out and they're going to have to be worth more money when they happen. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, I mean, racing has gotten so expensive and the price of tires are way up and everything's, you know, like twice as much as what it used yeah. to be. So that might be, it might be the case where, yeah. And the people in the stands don't know, you know, I'm racing against them. I don't even know what motor they got. So, <laughs> you know, who cares if you got a $30,000, $40,000 motor or a $6,500 motor, you know, $7,500 motor. And like you said, they're, they're, it, it, it may only show up in qualifying, right? I mean, the heat of the day in qualifying, right. that might be the only time it shows up. Well, they do work good at Berlin. I mean, Berlin's a momentum track. So, uh, I mean, they do give us a 50-pound weight break for the box stock crates. And uh, Berlin's a momentum track. Anyhow, it's never been a horsepower track. I mean, if we were to take our crate motor down to Toledo and try to run a super race, (laughs) we wouldn't even be able to keep up. Yeah, Berlin's a different story. So it's just a combination that works good at Berlin and a few other tracks. 
to, you know, it don't require a lot of horsepower. So, Joe, and I think it's funny, you know, we, we talk to a lot of promoters throughout the state and, you know, everybody, the, the big thing is, the big question is always, how can we make it more cost effective to go racing? And I keep telling them, you can do whatever you want, because whatever you save the money on, we are our own worst enemy. We're going to find somewhere else to spend it. You are not saving us <laughs> a nickel. Is that not true? That's, that's, that's correct for the guys that have lots of money, but. And the, but it also lets guys like us that don't have lots of money able to race. So, yeah. Well, Joe, you yeah. mentioned, um, you know, Rich asked you what your timeline looks like. We've talked about your daughter, Lauren. Um, but Lauren has some kids, too. Is that right? I mean, you got some grandkids out there floating around. Um, mini wedge divisions and front wheel drive divisions and pure stocks and street stocks. Um, does, is Grandpa going to get something going for those guys? <laughs> well, I'm not. It won't be grandpa, but maybe, maybe, uh, Lauren's husband, Nick, and maybe that's up to Nick and Lauren. <laughs> I'm staying out of it. <laughs> well, I'll still, I'll still try to get Lauren going, but I'm going to leave that up to them. And, and there wait. are some things you have to pass the battalion on, right? Yeah. There are some What's things that? you have to just go ahead and pass the battalion on. Like, all right, d- you know, sweet daughter, I would do anything in the world for you. But them's is your kids. You got to figure that one out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Joe, you mentioned yep. too. Uh, you you mentioned too that you had you know you guys are considering maybe a traveling option for twenty twenty four. Sixty one, almost four decades in the sport. Is there anything left that you haven't done that you really want to do? Any races you still want to go and try and make or qualify for that you maybe do put a program together to go try to hit those things. Oh yeah, the Daytona 500 would be really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, maybe 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 your uh, maybe Berlin's promoter can try to get you in touch with some guys, <laughs> but you're going to need to bring a pretty right. big. You're going to need to probably bring a pretty darn big checkbook to make that one happen. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. But anything, I mean, old? yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, really, anything out left out there? I mean, you look at your resume. Uh, you know, six Glass City 200s, uh, several Kalamazoo clashes money in the banks uh you know i don't see any for instance you know we look about red buds or or uh snowball derbies or things of that nature anything like that on your radar at all um i trust me i would like to a matter of fact we watch we watch all them races in the winter and i i tell my wife lorraine man i wish we could just had enough money to lauren and i could both go down there take a car and just race with them guys and but i mean it just it just um, money wise, it's just not possible. Um, maybe, you know, like if we're looking for next year, I was already talking about maybe trying to get over to Owasso. They're having the, they're having a big 10 grand to win race. Uh, yeah. I I wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing the one Oh one J entered in the masters of the pros one eighty four. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, would, that would be a good one. The problem right now this year, I got some sponsor commitments to, to be at Berlin. So maybe next year we can work on them sponsors for a little bit of traveling and, and try to hit some of that stuff and then even go over to um, Burt's Run and, you know, not too far from home. I wish they would run these crate motors at Toledo because I've raced Toledo a lot. And I was just telling my guys this week, man, I wish they'd run. I wish the Jags would go to Toledo and we'd go down there and race. <laughs> well, hey, that you know what? You're talking to some guys that happen to know the director of the of, of Champion Racing Association. So, and I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Would Brandon, uh, would Brandon entertain a Jags race uh, at Toledo? I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, my, my biggest disappointment is 
uh, that it looks like, Joe, that the outlaws are just kind of drifting away from Toledo. They, the Glass City 200 is not what it is anymore, of course, as you know, and it's, they're going to bring in the right. ASA. They're going to bring in the ASA CRA Super Series this year for 200 laps. And like you said, those are big motor cars, and um, you just be kind of following behind in in that race. You think, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, we wouldn't be able to keep up with them with the supercars. If it was a, like the Jeg series, all all crate motor cars, yeah, we'd be interested. We'd love it. By the way, Joe, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to pick on you at all. <laughs> but I just want to give you this little nugget of information to consider over the next month, if I may. Can I can I do that for you? Sure. Super late models are off of the Berlin Raceway schedule on Saturday, August nineteenth, which happens to be the date of the Masters of the Pros 184 at Owasso Speedway. So just just so you have really? just so you have all of the information. Okay. August 19th back to school <laughs> night limited late models four cylinders and mini wedges at Berlin Raceway. Uh, meanwhile across the state Jag CRA All-Stars Tour Masters of the Pros $10,000 to win plus Rich knows I'm excited about this. Modifieds will be there as well, so it's going to be a good show. We, we, we take modest tips, Joe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, that being said, I still have a little bit of a problem. I am right. driving a, a limited late model. Oh. It's a Randy Sweet. It's a Randy Sweet car. You know, Randy passed away a oh, few yeah. years ago, and his his best buddy Dan Bergman bought the car and turned into a limited late model. So I've been I've been uh, tootling that around some. So how's that been going I to think- that limited late model class? There, it's been. I mean, it's been. Well, it's been quite dramatic to watch this year, but uh, what, what about racing in that division? Kind of a unique division of race car. It is. It, it, it's a it's a good you know lower budget. They run the they run the smaller crate motors even, and uh, the less expensive crate motors. A lot of them do. That's an option. They give you a lot of options. They're on the on the skinnier tire, treaded tire to eight hundred V eight hundreds. I think they are, and um, it, it's a it's a nice little division for not. You know, when you don't have to spend so much money on these supercars like like we do. But, um, yeah, uh, we're struggling a little bit with this car. We haven't, I think we've been 10th or 8th or 10th, you know, 10th in points right now. But um, we assume when we got it from Randy, it'd be, way Randy, Randy built this car from scratch. And, uh, yeah, that's ought to be good just the way it is. And we see it's a lot different than what we normally run. But, um, so we're working the bugs out of that like what we want to do so um each week we're making it better and better but uh yeah it's it's a it's a neat little division actually yeah joe i was out there the first season that they started running those limited late and i i don't think a lot of people understood i think they a lot of the fans maybe panicked because it was only a handful of cars right at the beginning and and it really takes time to grow a class like that to get get some stability in it right yeah actually this year beginning of the year they had like 20 20 some of them and now it's yeah, kind of dwindled yeah. down a little bit but um yeah a lot of a lot of the guys have taken to it and you can use up these old these these old outlaw cars you know and and race it race it in there and narrow them up their tread widths a little different and stuff but you can take an older older outlaw car and run it in this division just matter of weight you can there's many options nose you can go template nose you can go outlaw nose but you just got to weigh 50 pounds more with the outlaw nose and in the motor same thing with motors you run the 602 crate motor you get a weight break and 
Yeah, so, so they, they kind of developed it for um, so about any car can run in it. It's just a matter of weight and what you got to do. So, Well, Joe, I uh, I appreciate you making time to join us tonight. Uh, you know, it's it's been great to have an opportunity um, to talk to you and, and kind of learn more about your story. I mean, we talk about this on the, sh- on the show quite often. For some reason, um, we're, we're not doing it intentionally, but we don't get West Siders on the show very often from, from Berlin and Kalamazoo and uh, things of that nature. So um, we're glad to get this opportunity yeah. to, to talk to you. Um, and, of course, because we don't get a chance to talk to you very often, uh, we didn't get a chance to hear your Victory Lane interview. Let us know who it is that makes it possible for you to go to victory lane, for you to do what you do, um, who's on the side of that race car, who's turning wrenches back in the shop, uh, and, and allowing you to still live your childhood dream. Yeah. Um, on the race car for sponsors, we got Wolf Kubota, um, Santa sweep out of Grand Rapids. We got DNM window cleaning, um, tag tooling.com. And then we got, uh, DJ slick truck accessories, and as as far as team members, I got uh, um, Lauren's husband Nick Sokolowski. He's like the crew chief, and then I got my old buddy Denny Pierce. He's been with me my whole racing career, pretty much. And I got this. Um, I heard of Dave Stayhower and his brother Ed Stayhower. Ed's kind of our shot guru guy. And um, I got Harvey. He's just he's just he says. How does he say that? I make them, I make them last. You make them fast, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Dan Bergma, the owner of the Randy Sweet Car, and then Lauren is a spotter. And yeah, it's just a, a good group of guys. And then uh, of course Lorraine. She, I was going to say, Joe, that... don't forget to thank the woman <laughs> sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're just a good, it's just a good group. I think I said in one of my interviews that, you know, so the, the reason why this, and we run an old car, it's just an old car, but, and everybody's, I think they kind of wonder, oh, he's got to be doing something to make that old car so fast. And it's because of the crew I got behind me. What is that? That's why this car is fast. What does that mean, by the way? I mean, it's different. Everybody we talk to, what is an old car in your eyes? What, how, how, what, what year is that chassis? I'm not know? sure. Okay. I don't even know exactly how it is, but it was a, this car was a bare frame with a, um, had a Tim Curry front clip and a Dave sense of a rear clip. And it was rusty and nasty sitting out back of Dave sense of his shop. Wow. We went and picked it up and, uh, when, sand blasted it and put it together. When and, did you, uh, when did you take yeah. possession of it? I don't know. 12 years ago? Wow. Yeah, so it wasn't new. Oh, yeah. We got it. Oh, oh, that's old. Yes. That's old. Okay, that yep, that, that constitutes as old. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Holy we smokes. Did, we, did up, we, we did update it this winter with a Seneca front clip that we put on ourselves. We went over to Terry, and he fixed us up with everything we needed. And Because the last race last year, uh, it crashed really bad wow. into one or into three. So, well, well. You know, Terry's only a few miles from us, and let's just do that. And Rich, when's otherwise, the... we were kind of doing our own front clips and this and that. And yeah. Rich, when's the last Terry, time you Terry... heard a 15-year-old chassis or maybe even pushing 20-year-old chassis go to victory lane? <laughs> right. right. Not, not it. You know, you know what? That that's unbelievable because that just doesn't happen in today's late models. It doesn't. You know, it just, it just really right. doesn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you? And I'm going to ask you this, and I know we're running long, and I'm going to let you go. But did with how old that chassis was, did you notice a big performance boost by having it clipped? I think we did. Okay. Yep. I have to say, I think it's a little bit better than what we've had. Hmm. Yep. Wow. Yep, cool. I, I do have to say that. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, man, uh, Joe, I appreciate it. Uh, you know the the uh, the opportunity to chat with you, the the success that you're having, the success that you've had, um, and I don't think you're done either, right? I mean, the calendar just turned to July. You got another month and change to uh, to run that car and um, to to keep racing and. Um, you know, you still got it, man. It's pretty cool. And you're having fun with it. You, you got a great family around you, uh, who has fun with it as well. You're, you're in a really cool spot in my opinion on what you're able to do and who you're able to do it with. So, uh, congratulations on the win a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations on the runner up finish from uh, Saturday night. And, and I want to say good luck the rest of the season, man. I think you're going to find victory lane a few more times. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You said it right. Um, we're actually really looking forward to that SRL race of thirty thousand dollars to win. But only our only concern right now is qualifying fast enough to make the race. <laughs> yeah, you know you got a car that can run in the race, but you got to be in the race right. in order to do it. Oh man, <laughs> That's right. Well, Joe, yeah. is there a way that people that is there a way that people can follow along with you and what you do? I know Lauren has a Facebook page, and you know she kind of keeps up on her stuff and you know when she was running but is there a way fans can keep track of you or are you kind of old school and fly under the radar um no um lorraine lorraine and i have a facebook page together and lorraine posts something every week pretty much and then uh lauren will do will post a few things also but between lauren and and lorraine that's that's what we got going on so good stuff joe man we gotta let you go this show is already an over an hour long and rich and i still got other other things we gotta (laughs) chat about uh and so uh, i tell you what man thank you so much uh genuinely for making time for us and and for being available kind of late minute on a holiday monday uh we do appreciate you making some time for us and and good luck the rest of the summer man maybe we'll be talking to you uh some thirty thousand dollars richer who knows anything's on the table That'd be great. Yeah, thanks for thanks for calling too. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, that'll do it, Rich, uh, for our program tonight. We mentioned uh, that Waynesfield Raceway Park was in action tonight with the Great Lakes Super Sprints. Kalamazoo Speedway is also racing tonight. Galesburg Speedway will be racing tomorrow uh, as part of their 4th of July celebration. So um, keep an eye because there was there was a, actually quite a bit going on here over these last couple of days. Merritt Speedway, their final night is tonight up there in the Great White North as well. Um, of course, Summer Nationals Hell Tour is getting ready to come our way. Be sure that you get those events on your calendar. Hartford Speedway has a date. Butler Motor Speedway has a date. A couple of a couple of other tracks up here have dates as well. And uh, the Hell Tour about ready to come our way. We'll check in on our buddy Cody Bauer, who has been running the entire tour this season. We'll check in with him coming up in a couple of weeks as well. But, Rich, uh, past Monday night, we look to Friday. Midwest Modifieds Tour will be in action Friday night at Birch Run Speedway and Event Center as the uh, the mods return. I think for the first time since the Downright Awesome Modified event, they may have had a Friday night, uh, uh, regular Friday night in there. I, yes, they did. So it'll be the second time Modified's return um, since the Downright Awesome Modified event. So that'll be a, a good show for sure over there at uh, Birch Run Speedway and Event Center. Also Friday night, 
we have the Great Lakes Super Sprints back in action, and this is a tour event at Hartford Speedway, so we could see some out-of-towners unload at the uh, big, wide, and fast Hartford Motor Speedway Friday night with the Great Lakes Super Sprints. It's part of a double header of racing this weekend for the Great Lakes Super Sprints, Friday at Hartford, and then Saturday, the Great Lakes Super Sprints move up to Merritt Speedway, back to the uh, 3 8 mile up there in the, uh, the, the Great White North, as we said, for the dirt cars of the Great Lakes Super Sprints. And Saturday, also a big day, Rich, uh, not only for you, but for uh, some other drivers across the state. Yeah, Kalamazoo Clash. Uh, I, I did see, I did notice that if you want to see the Kalamazoo Clash, you got to buy a ticket this That's year. That's right. So you're going to have to be out there. No sitting home and, and hitting the clicker and trying to find the Kalam Kalamazoo Clash on Flow Racing or Racing America. You need to be there. And, uh, man, it's just awesome. We don't know. I mean, we know the guy that, that, that has always seemed to own that that thing in Tyler Roark, but I don't know. With all his sprint car duties that he's doing, I don't know if he's going to actually enter. I think they're trying to put make sure that uh, J.R. Rorig has a shot to win that deal, get that 25 machine going. But uh, that should be another one. Brian Bergaker has been on fire wherever he goes, and, and he is guaranteed to be on site for that. That's when we talk to him. That's one of his uh, key events that he wants to win that's on his bucket list. So uh, we'll really have to keep an eye on that coming up this Saturday. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, you have triple 50s at Flat Rock Speedway. Uh, that's what you'll be doing, right? What is what is running triple 50s? So we're going to have the late, the Toledo Late Model Sportsman. They're going to come down to Flat Rock and run on the quarter mile instead of the half mile at Toledo. We're going to have street stocks, figure eights, the, the VRO modifieds, the VROA modifieds, yep. and then a giant fireworks display Love it. After, the, after the races. So. It'll be a good night. And uh, finally, for Saturday, the 25th annual Tommy Bowles Memorial at Owasso Speedway. Uh, this is for the Dwarf Cars. They'll also have $1,800 to win late model sportsmen. Modifieds on the calendar as well, plus uh, American Truck Sport Compacts and uh, so much more happening at Owasso Speedway on Saturday as well. Holy smokes, look at the time. That's going to do it for another episode of Horsepower Happenings. If it's late, it's because we're still recording three minutes before the show is supposed to be uh, live, locked, and reloaded. So, quick, Rich, say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, Zach. I'll see you, see you soon. Guess the tank up for next week. That's yeah. right. We're going to do that for sure. So, on behalf of Scott Mellon, who pays the bills, my co-host, Rich France, and uh, everybody a part of Horsepower Happenings, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for listening. Have fun. Stay safe. Keep all of your digits tomorrow. Celebrate our nation's independence, and we'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.